Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, and tonight we're going to be going through Mark chapter 3. So this is not an in-depth study of the book of Mark. We just take a quick run through it. We read through the whole chapter. We talk about some interesting, you know, highlights and high points, and, uh, and that's what we do. So a couple things before we get going. Uh, number one, if you are watching us on our Facebook or YouTube live, uh, please be sure to check out our podcasts. We put QR codes up on the screen so you can find our podcast on Google, Apple, or Spotify. You can also find us on Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn Radio, Audible, just about every place you can listen to a podcast. And don't forget that you can comment while we go through these videos. You can ask questions, and we love having people be a part of uh, the video. So jump right in. If you have any questions, we would love to uh, answer them or bring you in and somehow. Along with that, uh, I think I mentioned that we are now on both Facebook and YouTube Live. For a while, we were only on Facebook Live, but we got some new software, and it seems that we can... Uh, simultaneously live stream to several platforms. So we'll be adding some new platforms as we go. On top of that, uh, we now encourage people to please support uh, this podcast. So there's several ways you can do it. Number one, you can listen to our podcasts. You can like them. You can certainly get on there and follow us. And you can share them around along with sharing this video. And if you had something else in mind, you can get on our Patreon page, and we are on there. Uh, you can search for the Bible Thumper podcast, and we would be happy to take your money because running a podcast, it costs money every month. So one day we have this dream of breaking even. Along with that, any place you go, uh, look for us uh, uh, with the handle Bible Thumper podcast. That's on Facebook. That's on YouTube. And that's every place you can listen to a podcast. So with that, we're going to jump into Mark chapter one or nope, that's not right. We're going to jump into Mark chapter three and let's see what we can learn. If you have yourself a King James Bible, go to Mark chapter three, starting in verse one, and I'm going to read and you can just follow along for a second and then we'll stop and talk about it. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. Now, if we read the previous chapter, we know that there are both scribes and Pharisees present, and all of Mark chapter 2 was those guys just getting mad at Jesus for all the good things he was doing, and they were getting mad at him for everything his disciples were doing and everything he was doing and whoever he talked to and who he healed. And they were just challenging him on everything. And Jesus has had about enough of this. So these guys are the ones that are watching him. And this time they are curious whether he is going to heal someone on the Sabbath day. And they're watching him so they can accuse him. So in verse three, and he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he saith unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Now, let's go over this very briefly. Do you know that it is the policy of the nation of Israel not to attack their enemies on the Sabbath day? And do you know that that policy goes back 
uh, about 22-2300 years uh, back to the time of the Maccabean revolt and you can read about this in the in the books of Maccabees and there was a time when the nation of Israel made the decision we are not going to attack our enemies on the Sabbath day if we are attacked then we are going to defend ourselves and we have no problem using our military but we will not attack someone on the Sabbath day that is still the policy of the IDF today. Along with that, I should tell you something else. Do you know that the United States of America will not execute a criminal that committed a capital crime? They will not perform capital punishment and execute a criminal on the Sabbath day. That's the United States of America today. That is the policy. But Jesus is asking, is it okay to do good on the sabbath day or to do evil to save a life or to kill but they held their peace now real quick think with me for a second they're in a synagogue it's saturday the jews went to the synagogue every saturday and in the synagogue is this guy and this guy has a withered hand now let me ask you this if Jesus comes to your church tomorrow and there's a crippled guy there that needs to be healed, would you know this guy? Of course you would. These guys have a problem with Jesus healing a guy that they go to church with every week. Think about that. They knew this guy. This guy wasn't just some random stranger. This guy went to the same synagogue every week, just like those scribes and Pharisees, and Jesus shows up, and they're actually there making a case that Jesus shouldn't be healing this guy. The guy that, they're, that they know because it's, it's a Saturday and he should really wait till tomorrow, or at least wait until sundown tonight. But they don't say anything. Anytime Jesus gives these guys an opportunity to make their case, they are smart enough to just keep their mouth shut. In verse 5, and when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now think of that. Jesus dared to heal a guy's hand. It happened to be Saturday. And their plan was, how can we destroy this guy? Let that sink in. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan. And they, about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into the mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, 
and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. All right, so now let's take a look at this. Jesus has a time where he is teaching and people are coming from all over the place. People are coming from another country to see Jesus. When it talks about people came from Tyre and Sidon, you have to remember those were not cities in the nation of Israel. They were just north on the coast. And I think we're going to see that come up in a little while where Jesus actually ends up going up to Tyre and Sidon. I think we might see that in Mark chapter 7, maybe 8. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, Mark chapter 7. But we're not there yet. So understand, people were coming from far and wide so that Jesus could heal them. And why wouldn't you? After people saw what Jesus did, word would spread fast and everybody came. So now Jesus goes up onto a mountain and he calls the 12. And the Bible here in verse 14 says, and he ordained the 12. Now understand the process of ordination, not every Christian church, you know, is big into this or believes that it's even necessary. But the process of ordination is when a church, a local church, will put their seal of approval on a guy and say, we are sending you out and we are expecting you to go forth and fulfill the gospel ministries. So the idea is that preachers came from preachers, churches came from churches, and Jesus ordained 12. We find out later that Paul ordained some people. Uh, we're not going to you know, get off into the weeds and talk about that. But this is what happens. Uh, we follow that example that pastors and preachers and churches aren't just born in a vacuum, but they are sent out from their leadership that they are under. Along with this, in verse 15, Jesus sends them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Now, when we see the disciples go forth and do these things, you have to understand this power that they were given by Jesus, this wasn't something that they had before, and it isn't something that they have forever. This was for a time, and we read about this in several of the Gospels, where they went out, and they had a mission, and they were going to spread the gospel, and they were going to be healing people, and they were healing people left and right, just like Jesus was. And they actually run into some issues where they come back, and they're like, Jesus, we had a problem. We couldn't heal this guy. We don't know what's going on. Okay, but we just absolutely could not heal this one guy that we were trying to heal, and we don't know what to do about it. And we learned some doctrinal issues from that, and it's pretty neat. Now, in verse 16, and Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and, and he surnamed them Borgones, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went into an house and the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. So there were clearly a lot of people in there if you can't eat any bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. And the scribes, which came down from Jerusalem, said, he hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? 
And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sin shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemes wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said, he hath an unclean spirit." All right, so we're going to go over this, and we're especially going to stop at what was there at the end, talking about blaspheme of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, and we're going to explain that and how that works. But we can see that the scribes and the Pharisees they tried they tried throwing every accusation they could at Jesus, just hoping something would stick. The problem is it never did. And here they're saying, okay, well, then we're just going to say that he's the devil and he has the devil in him. And that's how he has power over the devils. And Jesus is saying, this doesn't make sense and it doesn't work out. It's, it's your worst idea yet. How on earth is Satan's dominion going to grow if Satan, by the power of Satan, continues to cast out the devils and the evil spirits of Satan? It just doesn't make any sense. Jesus is saying the way you do it is you first okay, bind the evil spirit and then bada bing, you can heal these people. Okay, It is the evil spirit. It is the demon, the devil inside these people. That is the problem. It is not the power of the devil that is getting rid of these evil spirits. All right, now let's get down to verse 28 and 29 because lots of people have questions about this, and I've seen this taught incorrectly so many times, and it's just a shame because it's very simple. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies wheresoever, uh, wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So immediately the question comes up, what is blaspheme blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? Because obviously, I don't want to do that. If that's the only sin that can't be forgiven, I don't want to do that one. Okay, so let's go on a little journey starting in the book of John. And I think we're going to go over to chapter, uh, well, the chapters on the Holy Ghost, there's several, but chapters 14, 15, and 16 go over the Holy Ghost. Now, we're going to start out by uh, discussing one or two ground rules here. Number one, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside believers. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And the Bible talks about that, and he it talks about that very clearly. And let's just go to John. I think it's chapter 14 uh, where we're going to see this. Yeah, John chapter 14. And it says in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. So understand that the Holy Spirit of God cannot be received by the world. The, the Holy Spirit of God does not live inside the unbeliever. He lives inside the believer. And again, we read uh, here in 
uh, verse 26 of the same chapter. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, so Jesus very clearly defines who the comforter is, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, Jesus is explaining the job of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer. Then we read again about the Holy Ghost now in the life of the unbeliever when we go to John chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the job of the Holy Ghost for the world, remember the world is the lost those are not saved folks. The job of the Holy Ghost for the unsaved world is threefold, to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that they are sinners, that God is righteous, and that there is a judgment coming. And that judgment is going to leave them wanting. They need salvation. And that is the job of the Holy Ghost is to convict the spirit of the lost and dying world and show them you are hopeless. You need Jesus as a savior. You need remission of your sins. And the only way to get that is through the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. Amen. So the Holy Ghost job is to tell the lost world, you're a sinner, God is righteous, and there's a judgment coming. That's what the Bible says. Now, when we go back to... Mark, and I think we're in Mark chapter three, so give me a second to get back there. We are reading about the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Well, what is that? Well, that's very simple. The Holy Ghost is telling you you're a sinner, that God is righteous and a judgment is coming and you need Jesus for salvation. You have to be saved. You need your sins forgiven you. Well, when someone rejects Christ as their savior, when they decide, nope, I don't want that, I don't want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be born again. I don't want to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, as Romans 10, 13 says. They are blaspheming the Holy Ghost. They are calling the Holy Ghost a liar, and they're saying, nope, I'm not doing that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that I need Jesus as a Savior. I don't believe that I'm a sinner. I don't believe that God's going to judge me, and I don't need any of that Christian nonsense. I don't need the Bible. I don't need Jesus. When someone rejects Christ, what they are doing is they are calling the Holy Ghost a liar. That is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Do not think, my friend, that there is some special sin out there that none of us know about that's you know going to keep us out of heaven. That's not the case. There is only one sin that will keep us out of heaven, and that is the rejection of Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's it. Because remember, God calls on all men to believe in him. God wants all of us saved. And we have the choice to either accept Christ and the gift he uh, gave us when he died on the cross, or we can reject him and we can hope in something else to get us to heaven. So that's all that blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is. So just understand it. It's very simple once you understand the job of the Holy Ghost in, in the lives of the lost. All right, let's pick it up in verse 31 and finish this chapter out. 
There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Okay, so a couple things. Number one, we need to recognize that Jesus had brothers and sisters. It talks about it several times in the Bible. So let's not believe that nonsensical lie that Jesus was an only child. That's not the case. He was the firstborn male, but uh, Mary and Joseph had more kids after Jesus. Now, what Jesus is explaining to us here, when his mother and his uh, siblings came to talk to him, okay, he said, behold, uh, or they said, behold, thy mother and thy brethren uh, without seek for thee. And he answered them saying, who is my mother and my brethren? And he looked round about on them, which sat about him and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. Now, Jesus is, I believe that after this portion of scripture, these couple verses, Jesus went and spoke to his mom and his brothers and sisters. I don't think he was trying to ignore him. He was just taking the opportunity to make a point. He was saying, those of you that love me and follow the will of God, those of you, whoever shall do the will of God, you are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Jesus was trying to show us that, look, you guys are my family. Remember, when the disciples cornered Jesus and they said, Master, teach us how to pray. And then we get what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the model prayer. That's Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. Jesus started out by saying, Our Father. Saved people have the right to pray to God and call him Father. Do you know that of all the names that we find written down in this book for God, the number one name used in the Bible for God over and over and over again is Father. That is the relationship we are supposed to have with the Lord. He is supposed to be a loving parent there for us whenever we need help, whenever we don't understand something, whenever something's new to us, whenever we're scared, okay, just like my little kids. I, my youngest now is uh, seven years old. They're, they're growing up fast. I have six kids from 14 down to seven years old. And I remember when they were little and they would come running up to dad just for every little thing that they needed. And that's what God is saying. I'm your father and those that do the will of God I consider my family. I'm not, I don't think Jesus was trying to ignore his mom or his brothers and sisters. I think he was just taking the opportunity to show us how close of a relationship he has with us who love him and call him Lord. That's what I think was going on. With that, we are done with Mark chapter three. I do hope you enjoyed it. It was a quick chapter, but there were a couple neat things in there for us to look at. Don't forget to please uh, follow us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Uh, don't only follow us, but please share that around. That helps us. You have no idea how much that helps what we do. Uh, and with that, uh, join us Wednesday morning. That'll be Wednesday, March 30th at 8 a.m. Rocky Mountain time. 
That'll be uh, 9 a.m. Central, where I am going to be interviewing David Snyder. Uh, he is the director of uh, BIMI, Baptist International Missions Incorporated. We're going to learn a lot about missions around the world. We're going to start incorporating um, uh, interviews into this podcast. But every Sunday night, starting one week from today, you're going to be able to get on here. I think we're going to be on uh, 7 p.m. Rocky Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central, and we are going to get right back into our weekly podcast. So please be sure to join us for that. We will be live on Facebook and on YouTube. You can find us on either of those places at Bible Thumper Podcast. Also, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search for Bible Thumper and we come right up. And finally, go to Patreon and please support us uh, with any amount of money. We would love any bit of help that we can get whatsoever. We do have stickers coming. We're going to be making up coffee mugs and hats and stuff to try to get out into people's hands and uh, business cards that you can hand out. On one side, it'll have a QR code with a YouTube video of me giving the gospel, so you can hand those out to your friends. Anyone that's not saved, you can leave it with a tip when you go out to eat. And on the other side, it has a QR code directing you to our podcast. So those things are coming, and we'll be happy to send those out to anyone that wants them. I appreciate everyone who has been listening, and I'll try to get on here tomorrow night to get over Mark chapter 4. Um, thank you for joining Bible Thumper, where somebody's got to say it.